Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, if you can see through a glass, is it really there? Um, did you hit your head again, Rick? Uh, uh, no, not anything more than usual. Uh, I, I, I just don't have a, a joke, actually, to, to start talking about wine gla- glasses. <laughs> well, not to worry. Your jokes aren't very funny anyway, right? <laughs> well, good point. How about we just talk about uh, wine glasses? That is not a bad plan. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. So today, to answer a loyal listener question, we're going to talk a little bit about wine glasses. Hey, there's an idea. <laughs> uh, brilliant. We are brilliant. <laughs> Plus, we have a couple questions from our regular listeners in Fresno. We have some academics speak about wine that's Uh-oh. even more horrible than our horrible wine writing. Oh, boy. Which is pretty horrible. And as usual, we're going to make fun of wine slobs, especially the ones who insist you have a ton of glasses, one for every type of wine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't like those. And a couple of reminders, by the way, we are still on Capital Public Radio. That's, uh, as you know, the NPR station in Sacramento. That's right. And, and, and they don't throw us out. I, I don't know why. I do not want it's they should know better their NPR. We are also on Napa Broadcasting. They should throw us out there at academics. That's right. Napa Valley College, biggest wine school in the country, and they still put us on their on their show. I don't know why, but there you go. Um anyway, okay, so there uh they since they ask questions, I think we should take a question. So we're gonna start with a question from loyal listener David who lives in, in Davis. David, by the way, also pointed out a malfunction that popped up on our website, and it made it a little difficult asking a question, asking us a question. It uh-huh. kept on telling you to put in your uh, your email instead of your city. Oh, weren't you supposed to put in a dollar? You know, that that unfortunately, that function has gone away, and <laughs> we got to get it back. In any case, if somebody's been trying to ask us a question, now they can. Okay, good. So, so uh, we fixed that. So thank yes, you, David. Thank you, David. Well, right. now, are we going to answer his question, or are we done no, with David? No, we're just going to thank him. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. No, 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 because he asked a good question, um, and, uh, and he wrote, uh, I know you can drink wine out of almost anything. I still like to get some proper wine glasses. Yep. Those are with air quotes. Uh, but the charts I see, which which glass goes with which wine, make my head swim. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he's yeah. he right. He says, on one hand, I really enjoy drinking wine out of nice glasses. I like the feel of the stem, watching the wine swirl. I like to enhance the flavor and smells as much as possible. I even have the annoying habit of making the glass sing. David sounds like a fun guy. Yeah, I know. Like I, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. like have that. a glass of yeah, wine yeah, with yeah. David. I've asked my glass to sing. It won't. <laughs> it just turns me down. You know, that's right. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's, well, I think Rick, you have to play the accompaniment first. Ah, uh, because sometimes they they dance a little bit. But, that's, right. Uh, right. that's right. So anyway, back okay. to David's question. On the, on the other hand, I'm a bit of a cheapskate. I'm organizationally challenged, and frankly, some of the more subtle distinctions would probably be lost on a clod like me. Anyway, <laughs> probably not, David. But so okay. he says, can you offer some tips on choosing, let's say, two or maybe three sets of glasses that will cover me in nearly any wine situation? So so here's what I'm thinking, which is um, most wine competitions have exactly this problem. In a wine competition, you have everything from sparkling wine to dessert wines. You got reds and whites. And there's no way that a wine competition could afford to buy all the different kinds of glasses to pour all those wines and all of them. Yes, though, as you know, Paul, many of them make up for just having a whole bunch of really crappy glasses. (laughs) But good wine competitions use a good, basic, simple, about 10-ounce wine glass. They would describe it as sort of a large white wine glass or maybe a very small red wine glass. And they use it for everything. And you know what? International wine competitions use this glass all the time. It works great. Feels good in your hand. I like David's comment, you know, nice little delicate rim, nice stem on them and all the rest. 
And you can get these that are not expensive. They're, you know, you, this, is, this is a pretty common size and style of glass. So you should be able to pick them up without ransom, without giving up too many bottles of wine to buy them. Yes, absolutely. Now, I, I want to go sideways for just a second because he's right about one thing, which is that the glass can affect the wine. Yes. You, you and I have been to enough tastings. I've been through a couple of those where they've, you know, they've Well, the wine the game. always tastes better in a nice glass than it does straight out of the bottle. That's something I got to remember. So, yeah, I'm writing that down. Okay, so yeah, because you tend to drink, you bottle. tend to drink straight okay. out of the bottle. Okay, I got that's... Okay, just put that down. <laughs> yep. um, so you know, and and a good example was I went to one glass comparison. I knew they were messing with us one time. We had right. like six or eight you know, whites and six or eight reds, and right. and I was with a couple of friends, and we were all we figured there were, but it was going to be like maybe two or three wines, and it, it turned out they were all the same wine, one right. wine. So they really did taste different. And another good example was, and maybe a more important one was, we were over at some friends' houses, and they had a couple of those sort of ceramic glasses to bring back from Mexico oh, yeah. and yeah. New Mexico. And then and, you, of course, you got yours in the little bowl, the right? No, I had the bucket. You had the bucket. The big, the big ceramic bucket. <laughs> the big ceramic um, yeah. bucket, yeah. Um, but they also Good. had some of the nice wine glasses, and they were, and we're, we're, they're not, they're nice people. They're just not big in the wine world. And right. They, um, and they were sort of randomly distributed. And my charming wife uh, tastes hers and looks at mine. I have the glass. And you got the glass? And so she not takes, for long, you don't. No, I did not, actually. <laughs> but, 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 you know, but she didn't just snag it. She tasted it. To, right. And, and said, it's just way better out of the glass. And she, she tasted yours. She tasted hers. And she said, yours tastes a lot better than mine. I'm taking yours. Exactly right. <laughs> but she tasted it first. And that was yeah. my point. My, well, that's how she knew. <laughs> yeah, right, yes. Anyway, my, my point was she figured it out very quickly. Yeah. So, the, so, so, Dave, there is a there is a you're right that you can uh, you can go in a couple of directions, but you don't. Do not get you know seduced into or or talked into or uh, um, uh, snake oiled into right. one wine glass per right. grape. It just right. It's, no, it's insane. It's insane. It's insane. And and for example, um, you know what we Napa Valley College we have a huge wine program there. We use a straightforward eight ten ounce glass for all of our classes to do everything. Right. And 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 almost every wine teaching program does the same thing too. Yeah. But if you really if, if you want if you want to splurge and you want to have it, then you get one white glass, one red glass. So the white glass would be a little thinner. I thought you were going to say you get a set of white glasses and then you get one red glass for yourself, <laughs> yes. no. which is much bigger and yes. you get twice. That's what you do at your house. Well, no, it? I just go for the really big glass so Deborah can't see I poured an entire bottle in there. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> so you can get, you know, if you like that. And it's a right. nice way to set a table too. It is. You know, so, it is. you know, you have one leaner glass. Yeah. It's a smaller. They all have pretty much the same, almost the same configuration, you know, yep. and the white's yep. a little tighter. The red's a little larger bowl. Yeah. Um, but, but but that's all you need. Don't that is worry all about you need. all the other stuff. That's right. And That's uh, right. You know the other one of the things I like, although they, it has changed. Some of the glass companies that sell their different glasses, you should talk about the tongue map, and that the, it was pouring the wine to specific parts of the tongue. Yeah. Except uh, to quote Hildegard Heyman, the yeah. head of sensory evaluation yeah. at UC Davis. Yeah. Uh, this is. Uh, I'm going to get a little scientific now, so Hank, stay with me. She said the tongue map is total crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and she said it a long time ago. Yes, a long time ago. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. and and yeah. so no, they've that that word has sort of gotten out. Yeah. But, so don't let them tell you that, David. So a couple of simple glasses, and I would say instead of spending a ton of money on a bunch of different wine glasses, buy two decent sets of wine glasses, and then spend the rest of your money on good wine. Yes. There you go. But before we leave. 
because I know how much you like me coming in with my studies. Oh, no. I found this in Scientific American. Oh, no, a study. A study on wine glasses. Oh, God. So these are from researchers at, you're going to like this, Tokyo Medical and Dental University. <laughs> I'm sure you read their their uh, curric- their newsletter every I do. week. I get that all the time. I have to, I, I, put, it, I put it through Google <laughs> Translation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what they did was they put a mesh over the glass and it changed colors as the amount of alcohol that evaporated right. came out. Right. And what they found was that different glass shapes, temperature created very different mesh patterns. Right. So clearly there was, you know, the amount that alcohol uh, affects the, and it does, it affects the smell and all the vapors that are coming out are different. Sure. Um, but this is one of the parts about this that I liked, and you will like this too. So, uh, uh, and and if you're listening, don't turn us off because I'm about to read some scientific <laughs> mumble jumbo. Um, so the uh, Scientific American, because they're journalists, this is not just a journal, they're a magazine that they, and they, they right. called around, they, they talked to a big deal wine scientist in the University of Burgundy. Uh-huh. about the study. Yes. This is what the big deal wine scientist said, and I'm quoting now. Bearing in mind the flavor enhancer properties of ethanol, this work pr- provides an unprecedented image of claimed impact of glass geometry on the overall complex wine flavor perception that's validating the search for optimum adequation between a glass and a wine. In other words, okay, shows that that might make a might, difference. Yeah, so that's what he enough. said. He said, so this shows that maybe there's a, a difference. difference in glasses. <laughs> I love optimum adequation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As that's opposed great. to picking the best glass. And what I want to know is, I'll bet that's translated because, of course, he didn't say that in English. He said it in French. So they probably made it better. They Or made it worse. Yeah. Could have made be. it worse. Yes. Yeah. Well, all in I got to say is, all right. what, so, a, what a load of hooey in the yes. end. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, like but, most of your studies, Rick. Oh, come on. I love my studies. <laughs> yes, you do. You are, you are spurring me on to find more. <laughs> oh, God, no. Okay. Um, <clears throat> one other thing about glasses, though, a quick one, is, which is that on sparkling wines. Yes. So, you know, we always get flutes, you know, the really pretty, the long, thin glasses yep. for, for sparkling wines. Yep. But the truth of it is that's not the best way to taste sparkling wine. Well, the, right now, if you go to Champagne or Franciacorta or any of the big sparkling wine regions in Europe, they will serve you... At the winery, at the chateau, they will serve you your sparkling wine in a regular white wine glass. Yeah. Well, and you and I were in Franciacorta in Italy for mm-hmm. a week and tasting wine. They were all yep. in sort of the big red wine glasses, yep. which really opened them up. So, so David, if you – you know, it's hard to argue against having the flutes because they're pretty because people like them. There's just – you know, I would never say if you if you like them, don't use them. But, yeah. but you don't need them. You, you can don't just need pour them. it into your white wine glass. You don't need them. Yep. That's exactly right. Okay. Well yep. – uh, lots of people don't need us, but nonetheless, they've asked us questions. <laughs> nice, nice segue there. Rick. Yes. Actually, you could have said nobody needs us. That's true. But <laughs> well, I was try, trying to be gentle about it. <laughs> After all, we do we do have our egos, Paul. <laughs> so, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna answer a few more questions in a bit. Because but we, first, but first, we've got uh, since we've had some really horrible scientific writing. Do we get some bad wine writing? We thought we'd have some really bad wine. Excellent. Writing. So let's just see if our really bad wine writing can outdo mm-hmm. our really bad scientific. Oh, writing. I think it can because the scientific has to sound. It has to use long words. Wine writing can use short words and still sound stupid. Well, that's true. So here, this is from a website that calls itself, excuse me, an independent wine club, whatever that means. The Granacha, 
Um, I'd like to point out, Rick, that if it's Spanish, it's garnacha. No, no, it's right. G-A- and if it's French, it's granache. Right. But in no language is it granacha. It is in it's scientific wine speak language. Or <clears throat> right. Something. This granacha is a very fruity Spanish red wine, almost sangria like in its behavior. This delicious wine is riddled with ripe flavor. Well, that would make me buy that granacha. Well, um, <laughs> whatever that what means. part? Its behavior? Yeah, because I think what it does is it, it puts on a dress and it dances. Does it, does it use castanets? Because uh, that would be sangria-like in its behavior, I think. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Uh, um, it could be. Multicolored dress with castanets. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. And then riddled with ripe flavor. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> How many holes... Are there in the wine? Well, that's why you have to drink it fast. <laughs> Boy, that's bad writing. Right. And there, you know what? Uh, the longest say anything. The longest word in there is behavior. It's all short words, and it still doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, yeah. Delicious might be uh, delicious. Tied. Yes. Tied. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, th- now so they went, you've got something. Now, but they went in the other direction on this wine. Okay. While still being uh, unfathomable, <laughs> the fruit for the 2010 Syrah came from an 800-foot elevation in the Sierra foothills in a tightly spaced vineyard with south-by-southeast exposure and rocky soils located above a large reservoir that promotes cool nights and long hang time to mature the fruit. Take a breath, Rick, because that was a long, That is a long sentence. sentence. I know. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I need to, I need to sw- dip in the reservoir you, and cool you, off. No, no. What you need is a wine that's sangria-like in its behavior. Oh, you're right. I would. <laughs> Continuing on, a gold medal winner doesn't say which gold medal. Right. This Syrah is this is Syrah as it's supposed to be. Very peppery. Inter- this is the writer continuing now in uh, parentheses. Interest- interestingly, the winemakers emphasize black pepper, yet we identified white. Wouldn't this make a silly debate? Well, yes, it would make a silly debate. Why are they talking about it? Yes, yes. It's how charming they are. With their bra- they're, they're kind of bragging and... Yeah, and angels on the head of the pin dancing, and didn't and, tell you. Well, anything the winemaker said black pepper, but they say white pepper. So clearly, they're every bit as smart as the winemaker in terms of what they're tasting. Yes, well, and and all. Meanwhile, we really all we know about the Syrah is it's the gold got, medal winner in peppery. Yep, yep. Because other than that, it's all about how high the how high the vineyard was, or maybe how high the writer was. When, and, and there's a reservoir there. Somewhere. There's a reservoir, uh, a we, large reservoir. Well, all right. So we've been grumpy for a minute. So I think it's probably. I think I think it's time for us to shift gears and love something, Paul. Oh, good. Okay. I love you so. Ah, time for some stuff we love. Oh yeah. All right, Paul. It's the time of year for you to love something. Uh, something. Uh, okay. So Rick, I was up at the Culinary Institute yesterday teaching and At, I, uh, in St. Helena in St. Helena in the middle of the Napa Valley drove up the valley everything is green the mustard is running down the rows of the vines it is absolutely spectacular does the beautiful. mustard run into the road and wave its little hands no it just waved its little yellow flowers oh okay yeah. And, but it is so beautiful. Uh, the whole valley's coming back to life after the winter. Uh, gorgeous. Tasting rooms are open. Restaurants are happy. And my goodness, is it a beautiful time to visit. Yeah, spring in wine country really is a special time. And it really is. And you can probably feel spring in anywhere in, uh, in wine country more than almost 
you know, out in your garden or whatever. But no, it's just because there's so much going on and the green's coming up around on the Well, the first the green comes to... up around the vines and yeah. then as spring gets a little further, it starts, boost, you know, budding out along the, uh, the, the vines themselves. It's just gorgeous. Yes, the birds, the birds sing, the bunnies hop, the, the ducks quack. The, it's all, and, and by the way— And just, the hills are alive. And a reminder to, uh, because we're still not that far away from this, which is that for Northern California wine country particularly, and Southern California too now, the Santa yep. Barbara region. Santa Barbara you know, they, area. they could use your business They can use your recovery. business. Yep. Come, so, up, come on up. It's come gorgeous and it's wonderful and you'll miss you it if you don't make do it. Do some good by enjoying yourself in, in wine yeah, country for sure. That's good. All right. So I think we can take a couple more questions before we still have some time. Cool. Um, in fact, we got a couple from our Fresno enclave. Good. They continue to listen. God bless them all. Yes. Yeah. This is from Katie. She said, how would I describe the difference between Cab and Pinot Noir to someone else? In other words, she right. likes them, but she doesn't think of the, how to describe them. Right. So what would be a good, easy way that somebody could understand the difference? Well, I would say that you start with the basic descriptors of wine, which is color. And Cabernet is usually darker than Pinot Noir. And then you talk about aromatics. And Cabernet is generally more, I would say, black fruit, and Pinot Noir is often more red fruit. And then I would talk about texture in the mouth. Cabernet is more whole milk, and Pinot Noir is often slightly lighter, velvety texture, but a little lighter weight than that. Um, And then the real question is, you know, who is drinking this wine? Because if they like one more than the other, pour the one they really like. Yeah, there's there's no, of course, there's no right or wrong on this, and you know, and maybe texture is always for, especially for somebody not, um, not in the biz or not thinking about it. Texture is always like because you listen to people talk about food, right? It's always like this chicken was juicy, the steak was dry, that salmon was really right. beautifully cooked, and it was juicy. Right. Pizza tasted like cardboard. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it is the difference between these are ones. Of, you know, the cab is that big, round, rough, a little bit scratchy because of the tannins, and and and. Pinot is often silky and yep. lighter and ethereal, and yep. um, and that, that's that's sort of a good simple d- description. And then and then you get into the flavors in yep. th- there. Yep. Um, but yep. Good. Uh, I like it is bo- interesting that in in modern wine writing, generally Cabernet is considered a manly wine, and and Pinot Noir is considered more feminine. But in the old days of journalism, a hundred years ago, they always talked about the fire of Burgundy, and they talked about Bordeaux as being more feminine. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that uh, same same two wines they seem to have changed gender over the past hundred years. Well, hasn't everyone? Hasn't everyone? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, this is from Armida, also from our Fresno Enclave. Good. And, and she says, what is a blended or married wine? Someone said those at a tasting when I went that I went to but didn't explain because, of course, I was already supposed to know everything about wine. Oh, good. Well, and I wonder if married was meritage. I wonder. I wonder. That's a but, good question. But it basically means more than one kind of grape in the same bottle. Right. And really most wines are – Yes. And, you know, we we always talk about even those single you know when it says Cabernet on the bottle it's only seventy only has to be seventy frequently 75%. if you read the back label it says yeah we added a little yeah. Merlot to add a little of this or we add a little of something else so yeah and 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 it is rare to find just all of one there are a couple of wines Pinot Noir speaking of which often right. is just Pinot Noir because it is slightly more delicate and if you blend something else into it right. it tends to lose its character but but the blend and and very that's a good question and it's kind of like have, Rick if you give him too much to think about he just kind of gets confused what 
what? Huh? <laughs> But and so we're talking I, about blended wines. Yeah, right? and they or they, the other thing they might have said too is they might have said we mar- we married our Cabernet and P- Petit Syrah, and, right? Because they right. can't just say we blended them because right. you know that but, would be too. Yeah, basically, blended wine just means more than one grape type. Yeah, and and completely completely uh, common. And, and in fact, one of the uh, really popular sort of categories of wine is um, just what they call red blends. They don't even have to tell you what's in there. You know, they right. just, and it changes. Some of those wines change every year. Yep. They're kind of hitting a profile, and so they're moving yep. around the grapes so yep. that wine tastes the same. Yep. So mm-hmm. neither good nor bad just means they blended grapes together to give you a certain style or flavor they wanted, and gosh, some of them are delicious. Though The one other thing, though, if the wine does get married, um, if it breaks up, they have to... Do, they that have makes to, a mess. It legally separate... That the, makes a mess. Fight over the cork. You know, it's just it's all kinds. Of, it's always it's always it's issue. ugly. All right. Yep. Speaking of ugly, that's it for another round of bottle talk. <laughs> nice. Our producer is Matt Bassini. Thank you, Matt. Our associate producer is Jeremy Marin. Yes, indeed. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio use and for including us on their podcast lineup. And if you'd like to ask us a question, go to rickandpaulwine.com. And if you've learned anything today, we hope it's the glass is always cleaner on the other side. No, that is not the lesson, Rick. That. Okay. <laughs> Where did you come up with All that? All right. Uh, if you learned anything today, it's don't overdo the stemware. How's that? Right. Oh, drink out of the open end of the glass. That's really the key. Drink out of the open end of the glass. Everything else, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And remember the best wines, uh, the wines you drink with friends. Or with us. Especially with us. Mm-hmm.